It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host on WGN Radio as we roll into March. Last week, we had Dr. Stan Garrett of the Ohio State University and Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation on the air talking about his new book, Coyotes Among Us. And it uh, was a huge hit. I received an incredible number of emails from listeners with Lots of questions that Stan, Garrett, and I didn't have time to talk about on the air. Certainly, we hit a nerve both in in everyone's interest in coyotes and also in the in in frankly in how they live, how they're born, how they die, what they eat, all these kind of things. And the number one overriding question that came back to me time and time again was, are there really that many coyotes in the Chicago area? And Aside from are there really that many coyotes in the Chicago area, are, are they dangerous to people? And despite what Stan Garrett said repeatedly on the air, there are just no indications of coyotes being outwardly aggressive to people. So I think the book Coyotes Among Us, which was edited by Carrie Luft and is, is out now by Flashpoint as the, as the publisher, is a book you're very much going to want to read, and we'll certainly have Stan Garrett on the show again. But to answer quickly the email so many of you sent me, coyotes are not inherently dangerous to people. They don't want nothing to do with us, basically. They certainly do like small pets, whether they be small dogs or cats. Their diet is primarily rodents. Uh, and as Stan said on the air, the, the coyote living around the lakefront in Chicago seems to have a diet mostly of rabbits. So that is one question I was answered from many of you. The second is, yes, there are indeed that many coyotes amongst us in the Chicago area. There are probably several thousand. There's, there's a reality. There's a coyote within. If you're listening to the show and you're in the Chicagoland area, there's a coyote in your proximity somewhere, whether it's living in a bush below your apartment building, whether it's living in a parking garage, whether it's living in a forest preserve, or whether it's living in your backyard. You may not even know it. They are amongst us. Those are the two main takeaways from Stan Garrett, other than the fact that their range is expanding dramatically across the country and their density is expanding. So not only is their range expanding, but their density is expanding. So moving on into March, March traditionally has been sports show season across across much of America. Actually, earlier in the winter, traditionally the big show in Chicago would have been held, then the show in, in Harrisburg and out in Kansas City and, and across the country, big sports shows. And then there would have been the largest in the country, that being in Milwaukee, pretty much with Minneapolis, the two number two, one and two shows, depending on how you look at it, in all of America. Sports show season was a time when people who loved the outdoors went to convention centers, saw lots of fishing guides, saw all the newest equipment. Retail stores came in. I remember when old Ed Shirley's store would come in, and they would have all of their rods and reels. And it was a time when, frankly, the outdoor community came together to celebrate the outdoors, but also it was the launch of the outdoor season. And in Milwaukee, the show uh, will be opening next week. 
It's in its 83rd year. I'm afraid it's just a shell of what it once was. And it goes to show you what has happened to the industry. Most sports shows have either closed or simply just very small amount of what they used to be in Milwaukee. There were at one time over 400 exhibitors coming out to West Dallas to the convention center. Now they're somewhere around a hundred. They used to draw over a hundred thousand people. Now they're, they're well below that. And I think what we're watching is really the end of an era. So Milwaukee's having its 83rd annual sports show. Um, I'd have to guess that, um, the chances of it making it to 100 based upon the trajectory of shows is is not great. And I, I've always wished them all the success in the world. They had just such a barn burner of a show. And people from all over northern Illinois used to go up there to see the Lumberjacks, to see Doug Janes and Donnie Brook Kennels, to see the just the hundreds of exhibitors that came in from across the country. But the world has changed. And the Internet did that to us. And online, obviously, and Zoom and all these things we can do mean that you don't have to go to a convention center and walk the aisles to find the fishing lodge that you want to go to next year or book the outfitter. Those days are gone and, and they're not coming back. I remember as a child going to the International Amphitheater and going to the, the sports show in Chicago, which was held at the amphitheater, which was one of the early ones. And, I, and it seemed to me as a child, my gosh, it was every, it was a candy store. Everything was there. And, and, and that continued really for, pretty much 50 years in sports shows it's all gone now and and you used to go up to a desk and you you would stand in line to, at the old rosemont show which bill cullerton senior was so active in and john doberton and all the great names in the outdoors tony port and queso and bill gauchi and i could go on and on the, the individuals that made the the show at rosemont the biggest sports show in the world um and you would literally stand in line to get to the booth of a lodge that was an outfitter or a fishing guide service in Canada, the United States or wherever. And you would get in line and you would say, what dates do you have left? And you paid right then for the summer and you hoped that you could get a date that fits your calendar. And the later in the season, the fish, the shows went, the fewer dates that were available. So the shows that followed after Milwaukee and Minneapolis, the outfitters and lodges, if they were any good, they had they didn't have any dates left. And sometimes they were booking people a year out. That doesn't happen anymore. You don't need to go to a show to see the outfitter that you can talk to on Zoom or watch their videos or their lodge and interactively, you know, talk to. So I'm afraid the whole industry of why we gathered every late winter and into early spring across the country to celebrate the outdoors and to, to make our reservations, whether it was to buy a canoe or whatever it was to go to these fabulous sports shows. That's, that's now behind us and it's, it's not coming back. Certainly the journal Sentinel sports show coming up this coming week in Milwaukee at the West Dallas convention center is, is a big one still in context of what's left. But it's so diminished from what it once was, it's just hard to, frankly, it's hard to believe. And I think of guys like Dan Small and Outdoor Wisconsin that have been such an integral part of that show for for 30, 30 plus years. Um, they're still coming. Dan still does a great job. Great chance to see individuals like Dan Small. But it's it doesn't quite have the same feel as it did when they used to stand outside and you had to, 10 people went out the door and 10 people came in the door. and and the parking lots were full and shuttle buses brought people in. That's all gone. That's just part of American lore. So much has changed. 
in the last 20 years with the internet and everything that's occurred, the sport loss of the sports shows is absolutely, absolutely a, a change in the way the outdoor industry uh, works and also a change in the way we interact. One more example of how physical interaction with people is being diminished. You're sitting there at home on a Zoom call with an outfitter up in you know, Saskatoon or wherever it might be, and you're, you're talking to him on the phone. He's sitting in his living room. You're sitting in your living room. You talk about booking a trip and whatever. That's not human interaction. That's, that's, on, tele, you know, that's on television, basically. But that's become what we consider human interaction. And, and how could you not want to go down these old aisles that were crammed with people and have beer spelt on, spilt on you and popcorn dropped all over the floor and squeezed between people on Saturday afternoon when the fire marshals were restricting the number of people coming into a building because there were too many? That was fun. I'm afraid those days are, are long gone. And in some respects, we're better off for it. But I, I for one, will miss the We'll miss the elements of seeing hundreds of, of exhibitors and all the newest gadgets and everything that occurred at a sports show. The few that are hanging on, Minneapolis, Chicago, and a few others, Milwaukee, certainly, um, are, are just unfortunately the, the last gasp of what was something that began after World War II and was a rip-roaring success until the last oh. 10 years or so. I'll be back with much more on the Great Outdoor Show when I come back. I'm going to talk about, well, I'm going to talk about Farmer's Almanac. You're not going to want to miss this. Thanks for being with me. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. Hiking, camping, and hunting, it's all an adventure in the great outdoors, but nature can be tough. You need to be ready for anything and everything. Chevy Silverado is built to handle the toughest conditions and get you everywhere you want to go worry-free. Silverado's designed to handle the big jobs. It's built for the great outdoors. With over 13,000 pounds of towing capacity and trailering sway control, Silverado can haul the biggest loads on the roughest roads and keep you cool as a Sunday drive. With eight available cameras and up to 14 different views, it can spot trouble before it gets to you. That's peace of mind. And when you're ready for the backcountry, Chevy Silverado 1500 ZR2 owns the off-road. You name it, we run over it. No wonder it's Motor Trend's 2023 four-wheeler pickup truck of the year. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and check out a Chevy Silverado. It's freedom to explore the great outdoors. It's Charlie Potter and the great outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the great outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN radio. And I promised you before the break, I would talk about the farmer's almanac. Something I've read since I was a child every year and always look forward to it. So I decided this year, with all the aberrations that we have had in weather, that I would visit my trusty Farmer's Almanac to see what they predicted. And this actually is a prelude to a a larger conversation about, well, I hate to even talk about climate because everything you pick up now is climate, 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 this and that. And But anyway, what sent me to the Farmer's Almanac was a headline in the New York Times. Scientists, I'm quoting, scientists freaking out about ocean temperatures. And then a headline from CNN. Snowfall is declining around the globe because of human-caused climate change. End of quote. 
I thought I'd go to Farmer's Almanac and see what they predicted for this year to see if they were, in fact, maybe the most trusted weather uh, people in the country. Unfortunately, it turns out they didn't have a clue. For the upper Midwest, which, of course, includes us, winter temperatures will be below normal with the coldest periods in late November and around Christmas and into late January and early February. Precipitation and snowfall will be above normal. Well, we're coming out of the mildest winter maybe any of us have had in our lifetime and with the least amount of snow. So I thought, well, maybe they didn't get the upper Midwest right. Maybe they got the heartland right, the heartland being Iowa and Missouri and out into Kansas and Nebraska. Winter will be colder than normal with the coldest periods in late December and late January and early February. Precipitation and snowfall will be above normal. Uh, Farmer's Almanac didn't get that right either. In fact, just the opposite occurred. It was the warmest winter in history, at least the last 25 years or 30 years in the heartland, with below normal precipitation. So what about the high plains? The high plains being a lot of the prairies up in North Dakota, South Dakota, eastern Montana. Winter will be colder than normal. Nope. One of the warmest winters ever recorded. And precipitation and snowfall will be slightly above normal. In fact, it's part of one of the growing drought regions of the country, severe drought in northern Montana. So they didn't get the high plains right either. They did get the desert southwest right. They said winter will be colder than normal in desert southwest. It has been. And precipitation will be above normal. It has been. Intermountain states, they missed that one too. They said winter will be colder than normal. Basically, they predicted winter will be colder than normal across most of the country, when in fact it's been the warmest winter in many, many years. And they said we would have more precipitation, when in fact we've had less precipitation. So I've been reading the Farmer's Almanac, as I said, since I'm a kid. Maybe I shouldn't put so much faith in their projections. And the old, it's the old Farmer's Almanac 2024, founded By the way, in 1792, weather forecast for the regions of the United States. Well, I don't know what the rest of the year is going to bring. I'm going to keep this Farmer's Almanac around so that I can tell you uh, at the end of the year how they did for the rest of the year. But for the first part of this year, they didn't miss the weather by much. They missed it by, by a mile. In fact, anyone sitting at home in a closet might have actually had better predictions than the Farmer's Almanac did for much of the country, which is sad because a lot of people put a lot of faith in the Farmer's Almanac. It's fun to read, and and after all, something that's been around since 1792, you would think might do a better job of forecasting the weather than they did. But on the other hand, when you you think about it, really, you turn on the news, you listen to the weather, or you read the weather on the Internet, how accurate is that? Which is why I go back to those two headlines I started with, when I said a moment ago, the New York Times scientists freaking out about uh, freaking out about the ocean temperatures, and CNN says that snowfall is declining around the globe because of human cause caused climate change. I'm not going down that rabbit hole as to whether or not we cause climate change. I'm just simply saying, with the evidence in front of me and the Farmer's Almanac, it doesn't seem like we're We can do a very good job of predicting the weather in the near future, and farmers used to rely on the farmer's almanac. Maybe they still do. I got just a couple minutes left, and and in that time, uh, I want to talk really quickly about the Everglades, and I may may not have time to finish it this week. I'll pick it up next week if I don't. The Everglades, uh, a tremendous amount of rain in South Florida. 
this year. Tremendous amount of rain so far, which causes the overflow from the Everglades to go into both the uh, Gulf of Mexico and out the St. Lucie Canal to the east into uh, the Atlantic Ocean and come down the east coast. It causes red tides. It causes algae bloom. It causes just an incredible degradation of water quality. And this is why Florida is constructing the largest reservoir, well, it'll be the largest reservoir ever constructed in North America. The idea is to, and I don't mean a reservoir fed by like Lake Mead or something, I mean a reservoir to hold excess rainwater. So the Everglades, when it overflows, they have nowhere to put the water. The Everglades, over time, of course, would have that water would have moved slowly. The great sea of grass, as we've learned, it, is, is really the whole history of the Everglades. This slow-moving move, river. Of course, we, we ended that. We ditched, we farmed, we drained. And the Everglades now is Lake Okeechobee, and then below it is a series of canals in the water. There's nothing slow about the water. And it doesn't go through a sea of grass to get purified before it reaches the Everglades. It goes through just a sea of ditches. And, of course, that's why we've had these terrible, terrible algae blooms and and red tides and all these things that are occurring because of water quality. So they are going to be building. Construction is beginning on the largest reservoir ever built. And it will be south of the Everglades. And the idea is this reservoir will stop the need to open the floodwater gates so the water doesn't go into the Gulf of Mexico straight west. It doesn't go out east coming out the St. Lucie Port Inlet. It'll get collected in this great big reservoir, which will then slowly release it and purify it so that it then, in fact, does go down into the Everglades as clean water. That's the idea. It's going to take, well probably take a decade to do. In the meantime, we're going to continue to have these terrible pollution events, terrible pollution events in South Florida on both the East Coast and the West Coast whenever there's abnormal precipitation. And I'll leave the show the way I started it. Keep sending me your questions on coyotes, coyotes among us. I'll get your questions to Stan Garrett. I'll funnel his answers back to you. We certainly have struck a nerve with with not only Stan's interview last week, but the book Coyotes Among Us, uh, which tells the story of urban coyotes, and frankly, it's a fabulous story, one you would not have even believed possible. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next Sunday morning on The Great Outdoors Show. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.